0: What's up, everybody? Jackson Fuller here, and you are listening to the fifth episode of Hog in the Mic. Eventually, I'll stop saying what episode we're on, but I'll be joined by Andrew Hutchinson, as always, to discuss the past week of Arkansas Razorback sports. In just a little bit, we're recording this episode on Monday morning, coming off another disappointing week for the Arkansas basketball team. Uh, we will discuss their two losses and some off-court drama before talking baseball. Uh, The Hogs open spring practice on Friday, and excitement is building throughout Fayetteville, especially considering how the football and basketball seasons have gone. I think Arkansas needs a winner, and Lord knows uh, we, the media, need some wins to talk about. That would be nice, uh, even though I can imagine we're not at the front of anybody's mind who cares about the Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, As always, thank you so much for continuing to listen to this podcast as we try to grow it. Uh, it should be hopefully a fun spring, but we do have some disappointing uh, news to talk about first. So without further ado, let's bring in Hutch and the latest episode of Hog in the Mike. Hutchman, uh, how's it going? Uh, was this the week that officially killed Arkansas basketball season, uh, or did it die a long time ago and we're just now starting to realize it uh, after this latest 0-2 week?
1: Well, it depends on your definition of death. I mean, th- this team's <laughs> tournament, NCAA tournament hopes were dashed, I think, well before this week. Uh, I think that's something that that happens uh Maybe with the South Carolina loss that that just kind of completely dashed those hopes, but this week, uh, maybe dashed any hopes of maybe even salvaging an NIT. You know, and uh, but you know, on the flip side, maybe the competitiveness against Kentucky maybe at least gave some hope that they won't have like say the worst season in Arkansas history, uh, which is what some people have started kind of talking about. And honestly. It's they've got a decent case, even though they did have some, you know, the early win against Duke or whatever during non-conference play. Uh, but it is it's starting to feel a lot like that 2008 2009 season where there were, you know, early big wins. They beat Oklahoma and Texas in the same week. Uh, they were both top ten teams. They beat Blake Griffin, uh, and it was it was it was great. And then they went two and fourteen in SEC play and sitting at one and six, I think is what it is now uh, for Arkansas this year and. They could very well end up being another two-win conference slate if uh, if they don't get it turned around. But, again, maybe that Kentucky effort can carry over into some other games and it's not just a, a one-time deal.
0: Was that season, the, the 2000, 2008, I think you said, was that the, is that the worst season in Arkansas basketball history? Is there one that trumps that, in your opinion?
1: I, I would say in modern history, that's probably the worst uh, you know, I, I would say, in by modern history, I mean beginning with Eddie Sutton taking over the program. I mean, because that's you're going back 50 years at that point. Uh, during and definitely of the SEC era, that's probably the worst. Uh, I'd have to go back and double check. There were some pretty bad ones uh, in there, maybe like Stan Heath, uh, but that John pelfer year 08 09. You know, considering what they did in that one week span, knocking off two top 10 teams, you know, with NBA, future NBA stars on them, and then to just completely bottom out like they did in SEC play, uh, probably the worst. Uh, now there were probably some others back in, you know, the 60s or something like that. I haven't gone back quite that far yet. If it keeps tracking this way, I'll start doing some research. But as of right now, it seems like that 08-09 season was probably the best best comp.
0: Interesting. Well, let's, let's hope it doesn't quite reach those depths. But uh, it's not looking good right now. Just a quick recap for everyone. Arkansas lost to Ole Miss 77-51 Wednesday night on the road in Oxford uh, in a game that the Hogs never led. So that was two straight games where Arkansas never uh, took a lead after losing to South Carolina in the game prior. Uh, the Hogs did play without Tremont Mark, and Trevin Brazil got hurt, uh, didn't play in the second half and did not that he did miss the Kentucky game as well. But uh, maybe the most notable story from that game that none of us realized until about 15 minutes before Kentucky is that Devontae Davis only played seven minutes before shockingly stepping away from the team and missing Saturday's game against the Wildcats. Um, in the national spotlight and in front of a pretty good Bud Walton Arena crowd, Arkansas played its best defensive game of the season but still lost to Kentucky. 63-57. First off, Hutch, let's get to the Devo conversation. Uh, until something official comes out about why he left or if he's coming back, I don't know if it's too smart to talk about the situation that much. Um, you know, it's it's from my vantage point, not here any of the previous three years for Devo, but you know, kind of learning about his history with the program and all that he's done. But him and Musselman seem to have butt heads over the past four years. Uh, it's just a sad situation to me. Do you have any other thoughts, concerns? Do you have a report, both the news you want to share? I mean, what are kind of what's the first thing at the top of your mind uh, with with the Devo conversation?
1: You know, I have similar feelings about Devo as I do KJ Jefferson. You know, these are guys that had incredible, incredible moments for Arkansas, and I just worry that they the way their careers ended. Is going to completely overshadow that. This has not been a good year for Devo. This season has been. I mean, I think he's had career lows in scoring, rebounding, assists, steals. Uh, at pretty much every across the board, he's had career lows, uh, and it was not trending in a good direction. Whatever he did, step away from the team. So it was a very definitely a disappointing you know senior season from a team standpoint. You know they've been struggling, and an individual standpoint, uh, but that shouldn't overshadow what he's done in his career I mean he is an Arkansas kid he was committed to Oklahoma State originally out of high school and flipped to Arkansas whenever Eric Mossman got hired so I mean you got to give him some credit I mean it's an in-state kid who chose to stay home Uh, those are you know those those guys should be revered in Arkansas because they don't always do that as we've seen with you know the football program and even some basketball players too so uh, you know he was part of that class that really helped turn around the program. That included Jalen Williams, included Moses Moody, uh, helped Arkansas get to back-to-back Elite Eights, and then without Devo they wouldn't beat Kansas last year, a number one seed, uh, get to an, another Sweet Sixteen. Uh, his post-game interview with Eric Musselman and on CBS or whatever channel it was was incredibly emotional. I think it's one of the best. Uh, post game interviews, right up there with uh, we brought that wood, Darren McFadden post game interview uh, in Arkansas history. So uh, I think that fans should take a step back and remember all of that. But you also, I mean, he probably you know, there was a there was an opportunity for him if he had you know come back as a senior and like led Arkansas to the Final Four or something. There was a chance he could you know maybe put himself on the Mount Rushmore of Arkansas basketball, but that's probably gone now. Uh, but other than that, he still should be remembered as one of the, you know, all-time Razorbacks, you know, maybe not the most talented, you know, didn't score the most points or have the most rebounds, or he's not going to have a long NBA career. So he's not a Sidney Moncrief, Corliss Williamson, Todd Day, Lee Mayberry, one of those guys, but he should be re- revered as, as an all-time Razorback just because of what he did uh, during his career here.
0: Yeah, uh, it's it's just a sad situation. Um, not not what's going on with Devo because I don't know that, but just the for his senior season to play out like it has for a guy with that type of the cachet, right? He's got a certain even if he had if he hadn't have come back this season, there still would have been a, a slight legacy about Devontae Davis here at Arkansas. And uh, now he's been, you know, the brunt of anger on social media. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens with him. I'm, I'm curious, like, does he come back at all uh, similar to last year when he you know, stepped away from the program? I think it only took about two days and he was back with the team He missed one game. Uh, maybe he's back on the sideline uh, Wednesday against Missouri. But, um, you know, we didn't get really anything from Muss in the postgame press conference. I, I, I'm not so sure how you can go from that type of frostiness to him automatically back with the team. Jay Billis, of course, uh, during the ESPN broadcast, I think he might've used the word AWOL, said he was, you're either all in or you're all out. And he called Devonte Davis all out. I don't know. I mean, you know, Jay Billis is a respected uh, voice in the entire country when it comes to college basketball. I don't think he would say something like that without any information But, of course, we don't really have that information to say anything that uh, Jay Billis might get. So, sad situation. Um, I hope he does come back and, you know, at least gets to finish his Arkansas career. I hope the last note on his Arkansas career isn't left the program in uh, late January. So, But we'll see. Who who really knows? Uh, Even without Devo, I thought Arkansas played pretty darn well against Kentucky on Saturday. Uh, Is there anything you saw – Aside from effort, because I think that's the main takeaway that's been coming out of that game. Although they played with effort, that's great. You can't bring that type, I mean, I guess you can bring that type of effort every night, but Arkansas just hasn't all season. So I'm going to assume they're not going to play that, that desperate the rest of the year. Is there anything other than effort that changed from South Carolina or Ole Miss to Kentucky that you think could be sustainable for the Hogs moving forward this season?
1: Ah, uh, sustainable—that—that's hard to say because they have been just so inconsistent all year, so maddeningly, maddeningly inconsistent. Um, you know, I—I I personally was encouraged by the way Makai Mitchell played. I mean, that was easily his best game of the year. Uh, you know, he still wasn't perfect. Uh, but again, he's not. Again, he's not an NBA player. Uh, he—he's a at least. Last year, I thought, in my opinion, a solid college player, and we had not seen that from him this year. Uh, maybe you get that better production you know, from, from your front court with both the big men led by Mackay, maybe Jalen Graham. I mean, that was an encouraging performance by him. Uh, they all rebounded really well. I mean, a lot of that has to do with that effort that you were mentioning, and it probably isn't sustainable because they did probably come out fired up in front of a big crowd, and college game day in town, a top 10 opponent. You know, can they bring that same effort and energy against a winless team in the SEC on the road in Missouri? We'll see. Uh, they they this team has shown a propensity to play down to its competition and play up to its competition. So, uh, but I mean, if the big man that that to me is is something that if they can keep playing better, you know, then I think that that could be something that helps them win a few games and you know avoids the. As we were talking earlier, talk of worst team ever. So, and that would maybe be the most encouraging thing I saw from from the Kentucky game.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on the big man, and I'm actually going to backtrack on something I said last weekend. Um, I think it's time less Trevin Brazil, as as crazy as that is. But look, I mean, there's clearly a offensive drawback when he's not on the floor. I mean, we saw it. Saturday it was eye-opening just it was very difficult for Arkansas to get good looks and I think a big part of that was Trevin Brazil wasn't out there spacing the floor you know when I mean Chandler lost and hit a three but the defense is going to give him threes all night you know they're they'll close out late and help off of him uh nobody's going to help off of Jalen Graham or Makai Mitchell uh when they're standing at the three-point line or excuse me no one's going to stay uh with those guys they are going to help off So the offense took a hit, but the defense was so much better. Um, Effort aside, I thought they challenged at the rim better. They obviously rebounded better defensively, kept Kentucky for the most part off the offensive glass. I think they actually had more offensive rebounds than Kentucky, if I'm not mistaken. Um, So maybe, I think it's, I think we're at the point of the season where, look, if Trevin Brazil is healthy, he probably should start and you should see what you can get from him. And if he's making if he makes three threes in the game, that is such a huge boost for the Arkansas offense. I keep going back to the Duke game that they won without Tremont Mark. Why did they win that game? Well, Brazil made four threes, and that opened up driving lanes for El Ellis. It, you know, that's twelve extra points there for a guy that's really not making multiple threes a game. So, but if he doesn't play well early, I, I it's hard for me to argue against a combo of Mackay and Chandler or. Makai and Jalen Graham, just because of that physicality that they brought against Kentucky, the defensive rebounding was better. And look, Makai and, and Chandler, I think are I think Trevin's a good shot blocker, but he's not a great rim protector, uh, if that if that can make sense at all. But uh, I think Makai and Chandler are just two bigger presences down low that are capable of you know at least making the other team think a little bit more. About driving to the basket consistently when those two are sharing the floor together. What do you think about that, Hutch?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think that's accurate. And I mean, Brazil, he is your NBA talent. So it is kind of weird to say, you know, he hurts them or whatever by being out there, but uh, defensively, but he doesn't have the same physicality as those other guys. I mean, Makai and, and even Jalen Graham uh, and Chandler Lawson, but especially Makai, the physicality aspect, you know, that's something. We haven't seen most of the year. They they've lacked in that department, as Eric Melsman likes to tell us all the time. Uh, but they did bring it against Kentucky. Uh, my biggest question, though, is whether or not they can do that against other teams. You know, or was it just a one time? Hey, this is our last hurrah. We're gonna rally. We're gonna try to, you know, not be embarrassed on a national stage, and uh, you know then collapse after that. I mean, I think this Missouri game coming up is going to tell us a lot because this is a game you should win. If, you, if you're if you Missouri's first SEC win, that's that would be really embarrassing and, and really tough because this is one of the games you should be able to win. So I think Wednesday night is going to tell us a lot, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think that it's, it's time for this team to string together back-to-back Performances with that kind of energy and desire and effort, and not not need a college game day or a top ten team or a raucous crowd. I mean, look, we they they haven't won a road game this year. They a true road game, you know. I know they they won a, a, game, a one game in the in the Bahamas. Is that their only win outside of Fayetteville? I mean, it's crazy how poorly they've played all season, but especially away from Bud Walton Arena. It's it's time to at least you know. I don't have any confidence that they're going to beat Missouri just based off how the season has gone so far. Uh, all I'm asking for is, hey, play with, bring that energy and that effort, um, because right now they're not a good enough offensive team to guarantee any win, no matter who they're playing. And that kind of brings me to my next question, Hutch. I thought it was illuminating in the press conference for the first time this year. I'm pretty sure Muss like he singled out the point guard play like in a very succinct, obvious way. Um, we need better point guard play," he said. "That was a sh- that was a you know. L- Ellis had a few turnovers at the end of the Kentucky game that really proved costly. You know, I don't think they win if they take care of the ball, but because uh, they weren't scoring when they did get shots off. But they were. It was you know daggers, uh, just uh, paper cuts, uh, death by a thousand paper cuts with those turnovers. What do you think they should do at point guard? Because gosh, it's been a revolving door between Ellis and Menefield and even. Blocker. I mean, they try and get Tremont Mark to bring the ball up, and he had three turnovers on Saturday against Kentucky. I mean, where does Musk go at the point guard position right now?
1: (sighs) I don't think he has a really good answer. Uh, He didn't have a good answer for us whenever he was asked about it in postgame, but I I honestly don't know if there is a solution there. Uh, It was telling whenever he, as you said, called out the point guard play, and then whenever I asked about Minifield, uh he said it was a coach's decision that he didn't play at all he didn't play a single second um you know i'm i'm very curious about what they do with laden blocker because it seems like even though he's not he's not your a traditional point guard like you you have an lls and keon Minifield, but things ha- seem to happen good whenever he's out there i mean good things happen and and they've got he's got a decent plus minus i feel like I know that stat doesn't tell everything, but it is a pretty decent indicator. So I'm very curious what they do with him, if he can become a ball handler, distributor type of type of guy. Um, he is a true freshman, so you worry about that. But his minutes have just been so inconsistent, just wildly inconsistent. Like He'll play a lot, and then he won't play any. I mean, he played, I think, 17 and 18 minutes in the previous two games and then played five minutes against uh, Kentucky. And they were plus seven, I believe, with him on the floor. Uh, so I, I'm very curious to see how that plays out. I would like to see more blocker, more consistent minutes for him, uh, especially if you're not going to play minute field at all. So uh, I think we know what LLS is going to do. He had a lot of. He was a turnover guy at Louisville. You, you could write that off as maybe it was just a really bad team. Well, guess what? Arkansas is kind of a really bad team this year, and five turnovers is uh, quite a bit. Especially when you factor in how costly they were. I mean, they were, you know, turnovers that led to easy layups and dunks on the other end of the floor.
0: Yeah, Leighton Blocker is. I mean, he's kind of a, a spark on uh, Arkansas Twitter and social media. Just like uh, no matter you bring him up, and people are going to have strong opinions either way. I mean, it's hard to argue with what you're saying about he he makes a good impact. I mean, his plus minus is typically like pretty good when he's out there. Um, he. Is clearly one of their better defensive guards. I mean, you'll see Musk sub him in for defensive purposes at the end of halves or even games sometimes, um, instead of a Menifee or an Ellis. But I mean, I just I I don't think Blocker is your best shot at winning games right now. Handing him the keys at point guard. I mean, you brought like yeah, he was plus seven in in five minutes, but he did have three fouls <laughs> in five minutes. There's still like you know he doesn't he doesn't create. Very many assists. He's not a good shooter. Like his production comes in the margins, offensive rebounds, guard playing good defense, and that's that's very necessary for any team to have that type of player. But when Mus is saying, "Our we're struggling. Or we we need better point guard play." That's not really what he's asking for. He's asking for a better distributor, a better attacker, and I think that really gets down to the core. We've talked we talked a little bit last week about what are the issues with this team, and I think after the past two games and seeing just the rotation at point guard and nobody really being able to hold down that position. I'm starting to think the biggest problem with this team is they don't have a guy that can get to the basket and make a jump shot. I mean, that's it's Tremont Mark, right? I guess he can do that, but he's not, he's not, he's not an explosive guy when it comes to getting to the basket that he, he doesn't draw defenders to him. He he'll shoot over one defender or he'll like crafty be crafty and get by a defender and have a layup. But it's not like a a dribble drive where a guy is coming off a three point shooter and he has an option to kick it out. And then they just don't have that this year. And that is a huge, huge flaw to have in, in today's era of three point shooting, you know, how important that is to not have a guy that can collapse a defense consistently and take care of the basketball. It's it's the biggest flaw with this roster right now, and I think it's the main reason why they are struggling so much offensively. Is every basket is ha- is so difficult to create, and I don't think that changes with whoever's playing point guard. So, I would love to say maybe Menafields the guy because he we've seen him do that more consistently. But he played zero minutes against Kentucky, so I don't know. I think I think you're right. It's it, I'm going to be very interested to see what Musselman does with Laden Blocker then moving forward because look, if, Mus- if Muscleman's sticking around long-term and, and Laden Blocker's t- one of your top freshmen, it might be nice to kind of, hey, this season we're not making the tournament, let's hand him the keys and-, and let him learn and grow throughout this season. But I get a sense Musk doesn't necessarily think like that, that he's not that forward-thinking. Uh, am I right to assume that, that he's going to be grinding and fighting for every win this yeah, season? Yeah, you're exactly
1: right. He's not going to just say, oh, well, let's take our lumps. This season's a lost season. That. That's not in his DNA. He's going to fight and try to win as many games as possible, even if they're not going to be that many wins. So, uh, I I'm with you. I think it's it's probably not going to be blocker for all those reasons you laid out. Um, and I they I feel like they thought they had that guy, that point guard in L. Ellis and Keon Minifield, and they just they whiffed. They they missed on their evaluations. And I I really think I think I talked about this last week on the podcast, like. People are always trying to diagnose. Like, what is the issue on this team? Is there something going on in the locker room? Is there something going on? Blah blah blah. All these rumors about Devo. All these rumors about TB. All uh, all this stuff. I think it really is as simple as they just misevaluated this year. They they just they missed, and that's okay. It happens every now and then. Every, you know, really good coaches can miss and have a down year. Uh, whenever it happens in back to back years, and then you start thinking, okay, that's a trend. I know some people say, well, last year wasn't that great. Yeah. The sweet 16 run kind of erases it. Yeah. To a point, but they also had, you know, the number one recruit in the country in and out of the lineup because of injury. And they had one of their, you know, most irreplaceable guys, Trevor Brazil, uh, go down with the torn ACL. Like the injuries played a factor last year this year. It's not injury. It's just the roster was not built to where it could be what they thought it was going to be. And, that's just a misvaluation, and that's going to happen every now and then when you you know rely on the portal and everything. And I think it's just as simple as that. I really do. I, I don't think there's any. Maybe there is that we don't know about or whatever. But I really truly think it's just the the way the roster was built just didn't didn't come together like they thought it would.
0: Yeah, man, it's it is simple. What transfer? What transfers have lived up? to their billing or perform to the expectations that Arkansas fans maybe had for them. One, right. Tremont Mark is the only guy. I mean, maybe Chandler Lawson coming over from Memphis, but he hasn't like those. That's those are low, lower expectations, but L Ellis has not been good enough at point guard. Jeremiah Davenport. I, I think he plays really hard. I think he really cares. I've enjoyed watching him get more minutes, but Look, he was brought in to be a sniper three-point shooter, and that has not transpired um, this year at all. Uh, battle, good start to the year, not scoring efficiently at all in the SEC. You look at all – I mean, this was like one of the biggest transfer classes in the entire country, and one person, Tremon Mark, has lived up to the billing, and I just go, that's just a – Exclamation point to your uh, analysis that uh, there was just a misevaluation throughout this team. And like we said, like I said last week, I think there was also some issues with the construction of the roster. Like maybe they missed out on some guys, but there just hasn't been enough size, especially in the guards and that three swingman spot compared to previous Ar- uh, Eric Musselman teams. But hey, if, if you're going to, have a little different of a roster you have to adapt and Arkansas just hasn't been able to do that this season so uh any any closing thoughts from you about the basketball team Hutch anything else you really want to get off your chest the next two games are Missouri and LSU uh you have any bold predictions do you think they do you think they are going to be Missouri's first SEC win of the season uh What's kinda of, is there anything else on, on your mind before we maybe shift over to some baseball? Yeah, I kinda talk?
1: have a bad feeling that they're gonna be Missouri's first win. It's up in Columbia. The games up there, you know, I know this is your first year covering a team. The games up there are typically weird. Weird stuff happens, you know, results that you shouldn't expect to happen. There's gonna be somebody on Missouri's team that steps up that you don't expect to, and I, I, I imagine it's going to be a tight game. I, I don't see it being a blowout either way. Uh I mean, I've been wrong on that before, uh, but I do think that it's it's going to be tough. I think Arkansas is going to maybe have a letdown, and maybe here here's a bold prediction: maybe they come back and they beat LSU the following Saturday. I could see that happening. Maybe you know it, it would be just weird enough for Arkansas to to make sense.
0: Look, I I'm going to keep holding this team to high to high high enough standards at uh, for now. But I look go two and zero. I mean, it's certainly possible. Like, if you talk about winnable SEC games, even for how poorly Arkansas is playing, like, these are maybe two of the only ones left on the schedule. Uh, I know they're on the road, which is tough, but LSU hasn't played great all season. They've been up and down. I know, I think they're, did they win this weekend? I know they've, they they're coming off a pretty good performance at some point in the SEC recently. Um, but they could go 2 0. I mean, these are the two of the easy, like, Two of the worst teams that they'll play in the SEC. Not that Arkansas is anything special. So, hey, go two and zero. Make the next home game at least something that's uh, worth talking about. But if, imagine if they go zero and two here and they drop to one and eight in the SEC. That that next Bud Walton Arena crowd is going to be um, a graveyard. I feel like, but we shall see. Uh, we will of course recap those next two games. Oh, and then they have a week off before Georgia. So hey. You win these two and you get a week to resettle. Maybe maybe the tides are turning, but I have no idea why. I've all of a sudden sprung sprung some optimism here. So let's move on. Uh, not too much else to discuss in Arkansas sports. I would like to continue to shout out the women's team who did go 2-0 and this week with uh, necessary wins over Kentucky and Missouri. They continue to play without star freshman Talia Scott, and they look pretty good. Uh, Big games coming up this week against Alabama and Auburn as they fight for an NCAA tournament bid. Uh, Last time I checked on ESPN, they were a part of the next four out, so not the first four out. But they've got plenty of time and winnable games on their schedule, and I think they're starting to play um, some of their best basketball here in uh, the most important stretch of the season. But in other exciting news, the baseball team opened its spring practice slate on Friday. You and I were at bomb Walker for a scrimmage Hagan Smith versus Mason Molina on the mound. Gosh, excitement was in the air. I know it's early, but any takeaways from what you saw Friday, did you go to Sunday scrimmage? Uh, just, you know, what are some of your overall thoughts about Arkansas and what's your maybe maybe a question you have about this team uh, before the, we really kind of dive into season preview Yeah, discussion. I mean, I,
1: I wasn't able to go out Sunday. I'm hoping to be out there today on Monday. They're scrimmaging again. Uh, but I was there Friday, as you said. Uh, Hagan Smith, really, 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 really good. Uh, I think that's uh, something we already knew. Uh, Something we expected him to be better, but just seeing it in person was something else. I mean, he was sitting 98-99. He only threw one inning, granted. Uh, He did touch 100 on his final strikeout of Jason Jones. Uh, I know people, you look at his stat line, it's like, well, he gave up a run. Well, it was a solo bomb to Kendall Diggs, who, again, another really good player. But take out that, he struck out the other three guys he faced. Uh, I think all three were guys that are either projected starters or guys that could start for Arkansas. So he's not just striking out the the bottom of the the barrel, uh, you could say. And uh, I think that was that was really good to see. I think that maybe the biggest question with Hagen is can he sustain that velocity throughout a five, six, seven inning start. Uh, I don't expect him to do it quite like Paul Skeens did last year. You know, I mean, Paul Skeens his fastball average ninety eight miles an hour. Hagan's the other day averaged 98.5 miles an hour, but that was, again, one inning. Uh, can he sustain it through, you know, in the, that was what made Paul Skeen so incredible last year with LSU is he was pumping 100 miles an hour in the seventh or eighth inning. I don't expect that from Hagan, but, again, you don't necessarily have to have that if you're Hagan. He's, he's got a good repertoire of pitches. He used a slider to strike some guys out. Uh, he did give up the homer on the slider, but uh, he had, that's a good pitch. He added a splitter this offseason we didn't even get to see that uh so I, I think he's going to be special uh there is a very good chance if the season goes the way i think it's going to go for him you can be putting him right up there with the nick schmitz and ryan stanix of the world in terms of best pitchers arkansas ever had
0: wow a lot of hype i i agree the stuff looked pretty pretty phenomenal on uh on friday just I mean, the the ball, the fastball just jumps out of his hand and uh, it looks even faster (laughs) than 100. Uh, It's like it's just there's there's a noticeable difference between the ball coming out of his hand and most other college pitchers. Um, Man, I think I think we're underselling Kendall Diggs a little bit, not like uh, too, not like we're being mean about it or anything, but I think just the hype around this team. I kind of joked with DVH in the press conference. I said every time a preseason ranking comes out, we see a picture of Hagen Smith. Uh, I think Kendall is could be like a Golden Spikes, you know, nominee to, as we get towards the end of the year. I mean, every scrimmage I've gone to, I think he's hit a home run. To do it off Kendall, that's a lefty on lefty matchup. Or to do it off Hagen, excuse me, that's a lefty on lefty matchup. He is there is no doubts within the Arkansas program that that guy is going to have a monster year. And if he can get his average a little bit more up from the past couple years and maintain that power and the slugging and, and just be that middle of the force lineup for Arkansas, hey, if this team lives up to its expectations, it's going to be a lot about the pitching staff, but it's also going to take uh, some really good offense and he's going to be the heart of it. So I am could not be more excited to watch Kendall Diggs this year and what do you think about Mason Molina? I thought he was pretty good on Friday. I mean, there's like I said, there's a clear difference between him and Hagan Smith. But for Mason to be Arkansas's Sunday guy, that's an advantage, man. That is going to be an advantage. Yeah, come for sure. I mean, he
1: was he was really good. I mean, through another two scoreless innings, um, I think between the fall and now that one scrimmage, I think he's thrown like ten innings and given up one hit for uh, in the scrimmages uh, now, and he's got a lot of strikeouts. I think he had three strikeouts in two innings. Um, but he also has walked a few guys. That's maybe the one concern you have with him, and maybe something you expect out of a guy that's not your Friday guy. Uh, he's not going to be Hagen Smith, uh, but he—I uh, think he walked two, and I think he hit another. Uh, so he does give up. He's a little bit, a little bit wild. If he can can dial that in just a little bit, then he's going to be really, really tough to beat because they people just don't hit him. Uh, I think it's it's not overpowering stuff. His fastball is more low 90s. I think he was like 91, 92 uh, the other day, but he's got a variety of pitches. Uh, he's added the changeup, uh, or I guess throw, tweaked his changeup and is throwing it with more confidence. He did throw it some last year, just not a whole lot. So uh, throw that in with all the other stuff he's got. I think he's like, got a curveball and slider as well. Uh, that's a, it's a pretty good – if you got a four-pitch mix uh, as a starting pitcher in college, that, that you're going to be pretty good. So I, I was, I thought it was a very solid outing for him. Uh, maybe not as just electric and like you know, you're not leaving there buzzing about his performance, but you want that. You want that guy throwing either Saturday or Sunday on a weekend in SEC play.
0: Yeah, and uh, I think that some of your concerns go back to what I said, or not concerns, but just. Yeah, concerns. Concerns is the right word, right, Hutch? Uh, some of your concerns go back to what I said a little bit last week about, I think one of the biggest keys for Hagen this season is he's got to go deep into games. And I think he can, but that's not something that he's done yet at Arkansas consistently. Uh, he's got to get to the seventh, sixth, seventh, eighth inning almost every Friday start and set up that bullpen for the rest of the weekend. And then you make your starters even more dangerous knowing that they have arms behind them that are ready to go and they don't have to, you know, save their stuff or try and eat innings. If you can keep that bullpen fresh going into Saturday and Sunday, that's a huge win in college baseball conference play. So uh, one thing that I find myself come really, you know, fascinated by digging into this team a little more in recent weeks is just how many difficult lineup decisions DVH is going to have. So uh, I told you that we would do this, Hutch. I'm going to take a crack at predicting the starting lineup for Arkansas on opening day, and we'll see what you think about my predictions. Maybe it matches yours or doesn't. Uh, but how much will this actually matter over the course of a three-month season? Probably not much, but I think it's a fun exercise to see where we're leaning and on the couple position battles and maybe just how DVH is going to uh, organize the lineup, one through nine. So here we go. Without further ado, here's my starting lineup for Arkansas on opening day. Hutch, tell me what you think. Batting first, I've got Peyton Holt playing second base. Batting second, I've actually got Kendall Diggs in right. Batting third, I've got, I'm going to not pronounce this name right all season, Vahiva Aloy at shortstop. Batting fourth, Ben McLaughlin, first base. Batting fifth, Jack Wagner, DH. Sixth, Peyton Stovall at third base. Seventh, Hudson White at catcher. Eighth, Jason Jones in left. And ninth, Ty Wilmsmeyer in center field. Hutch. I know I just rattled that off real quickly if you need me to repeat anything what do you think of that lineup and uh, my kind of big choices I guess are Hudson White over Ryder Helfrick, Ben McLaughlin winning the first base job but Jack Wagner also being in the lineup I think at you DH. had in
1: left field you had did you have Who'd you have in left field Jason Jones okay
0: Jason Jones. Well, I think.
1: Well, first of all, I think you mixed up your Patents. I think you meant Stovall at second, batting leadoff, Ugh. and Holt at third later in the lineup. Uh, it's okay if infielders name Payton. Yeah. Honestly, they're both second basemen. That's what's <laughs> crazy. Both of your second. I mean, they're both incredible second basemen. But yes, um, I would say if that's the case, you got Stovall, Digs, one and two. Uh, I don't think Dave is mm-hmm. going to do that because those are two left-handed. You two of your only lefties. It left-handed bats in the lineup. I don't think he's going to stack them. Uh, that's that's why I've got Stovall at, okay. one, at leadoff and Diggs in the three spot. Uh, that's if you have Stovall leading off, which is what Dave said the other day in the press conference. So kind of why you pencil him in there right now. Uh, will he
0: yeah, that's that's where my that's where my mistake was. I should yeah. I just need to flip those two guys, Stovall at leadoff and Holt, uh, batting yeah. sixth so behind Wagner. I,
1: I I I've got Holt batting up in the in the two hole, uh, just because that way he's a he's a right-handed mm. bat. He can mix, he can put him between Stovall and Diggs. Have a righty in there. Uh, I've got Aloy batting cleanup. Uh, I've got White also winning the catcher battle for opening day. Uh. He, I, could, I could see a scenario where he, uh, where Helfrich ends up winning the job at catcher and White is going to stay in the lineup somewhere. Maybe he DHs, maybe he plays some first base, uh, but I think the way, the way they got Hudson White to come to Arkansas is they told him, hey, we'll let you catch full-time. And so they're going to at least fulfill that promise, I believe, on opening day, let him start. Uh, I've got Wagner batting sixth, McLaughlin batting seventh, uh, I've got Wagner winning the job at first uh, with McLaughlin batting DH. Uh, I've got Wilmsmeyer batting eighth and in center. And then I've got Will Edmondson winning the job and left. I know – I feel like the coaching staff really, really wants Jason Jones to win that job. I think they – and he's, he's a natural infielder, but I think he's athletic enough. He can play in the outfield. That's not the concern. It's whether or not he can be consistent enough offensively. And I just w- – I'm not sold on him yet. I know the potential is there. Everyone remembers him. You know, at one point he was a top 10 prospect in his class. Uh, he's got power at the wazoo. He had a home run last year, Jackson, in the in the scrimmage that had a, a 117 exit velo. Just ridiculous power. But he also strikes out a little bit. I say a little bit, a lot. Um, doesn't hit for the average that you want. But maybe it depends on whether or not they are fine with a guy who maybe hits 240, 250 with 10 home runs, or they want somebody. I think Will Edmondson would hit higher, have a higher batting average, um, but he doesn't have as much power. He doesn't walk a whole lot. Um, That's maybe Will Edmondson's biggest concern. I I honestly think Edmondson could be a leadoff man uh, if he would walk a little bit more. He doesn't really work the count, but he just puts the ball in play because he doesn't strike out a whole lot either. Uh, And he also is a a pretty good runner. Uh, Got has a lot of stolen bases through JUCO and summer ball and stuff. Uh, Now he did have a a base running blunder on, uh, I guess it was Friday when he didn't score from second on a single. He held up and didn't read it well. But uh, again, that's just one one instance. So that's why I've got Will Edmondson uh, batting ninth is because he's kind of like a leadoff guy and Dave kind of likes having a leadoff-like guy in that nine hole because it's kind of like a second leadoff guy. So that's why I got him down there and and I've got him winning the job in left, uh, maybe the Biggest difference between you and I is that you've got Jason Jones, and I just I'm not 100% sold on him yet. I hope he's as good as we think he's going to be, he lives up to the hype, but uh, I'm just I'm not quite there yet.
0: Interesting. I think Jason Jones, uh, whew, if he's not starting opening day, that's I, I for some reason, I, I have a harder time seeing him working his way into the lineup than I have of work of seeing him work out of the lineup or, you know, uh, Edmondson working his way into the lineup. I think it would be, I think it'd be smart for Dave. If this is the guy that you want to win the job, uh, you know, at least early giving him the opportunity to show, like, even if it's not the greatest, you know, build up and scrimmage, Hey, maybe this guy just <laughs> is a gamer and brings it then. And they, you know, I think you're right. they, we could tell by DBH when we asked him about Jason Jones um, in Thursday's press conference that he he really wants he wants him to win the job. It's it's time for him to start performing and living up to his potential. And uh, I I would be I would be disappointed not to see him in that starting lineup opening day. But hey, I mean wins are important whether they come in February or April. So if DBH thinks that Arkansas is a better team and has a better route to victories with uh, Jason Jones on the bench. Then who are we to? Who am I to question uh, that approach? Uh, I will be interested to see. I you're right. Now that I'm thinking about this lineup, he wants to go that lefty, righty, lefty, or just alternate those guys. And he did say Stovall was going to be the leadoff guy, so that probably slots Diggs in at the three hole. I like. I would love to see Diggs bat second, just and give him as many many at bats as possible. But if you want to alternate the you know righty, lefty, I don't know if that's that's probably not possible with Stovall batting leadoff. So. Uh, I think that's it, Hutch. I mean, anything else that you you want to get on, you know, talk about with the baseball team? Uh, I do have a, a work meeting to run to, but I could be a, a couple minutes late. I, or what do you? I think, but I think we're pretty good for today's I recap. So. I think maybe uh, one other think?
1: name to mention is possibly working his way in there is Ross Lovich, transfer from Missouri. He had a good game, a good scrimmage on Saturday. Mm. A couple of hits. He hit a home run. Uh, maybe he's a guy that if he heats up, it had a really Slow fall did not really produce, but he was also banged up. Uh, if he's fully healthy and actually can produce, he's a guy that's played in the SEC before. Uh, maybe he is a guy to kind of a, a dark horse to win that job and left. That would be one name to to kind of watch as uh, that we didn't mention earlier.
0: Good stuff, and we will know soon enough. Uh, the baseball season is somehow. F- Fewer than three weeks away. Uh, James Madison will be coming to Fayetteville in not too long of a time. And we'll, uh, all have some optimism again in our lives, uh, covering the Arkansas Razorbacks program. So another fun episode, Hutch, uh, tell the listeners where they can find you on social media yep, and my, where they NWA can read your Hutch
1: work on Twitter slash X. You can find all of my stuff. I tweeted out there, but you can also go directly to best of com and check it all out there. free. No paywall. Uh, check it out. Uh, uh, best of bestofarkansasports.com.
0: Awesome, and everybody can find me on Twitter slash X at Jackson Fuller sixteen and read my stuff at SWTimes.com as part of the USA Today Network. And uh, we will be back with another episode next Monday, recapping the upcoming basketball week that involves games against Missouri and LSU and maybe we'll have some more intel about the baseball team with some more scrimmages over at Bomb Walker. I'm also going to try and get out there today on Monday, and uh, maybe we can drop some nuggets for the listeners, whoever is listening. Thanks, Hutch. Uh, I don't know when I'll see you again uh, because there is no home basketball game, but maybe today, and uh, we will talk again very soon, sir.